At the age of nine, I remember a teacher looking at me thinking I wasn't either smart enough to, li- to understand what she was saying or wasn't paying attention. She was talking to another adult and she said, that's the boy with the broken brain. I, uh, I grew up with learning challenges. Some of you know I had a brain injury when I was five years old, a head injury that left me with certain disabilities. Teachers would have to repeat themselves three, four, five, six times, and then eventually I would just pretend I understood, but I didn't, mostly, most of the time did not understand. I had very bad focus issues. I had very bad memory. It took me an extra three and a half years just to learn how to read. And I learned how to read by reading comic books, actually. Something about looking at the, the superheroes and good versus evil and the illustrations, that, the idea that one person can make a difference. How many people believe one person can make a difference, right? That they provide hope and they provide real help. And when I look here, I look at a room full of superheroes. Because I said, in the beginning, I said, you know, it's just showing up and then playing full out. And so what does a superhero do? They have, what's the defining characteristics of a superhero? They have superpowers, right? And does how many people hire, have found their unique ability, their superpower? You're discovering it, right? Your unique talent, your unique strength, something that's unique to you. But then just having a superpower, does that make you a superhero? You have to use that power for good, for some kind of purpose on top of that, right? How many people feel like when you're learning something, it feels like you're taking a sip of water out of a fire hose? And not that just that, it's, it has an effect on our health also, right? They call it information fatigue syndrome, because everything is a syndrome, right? So higher blood pressure, compression of leisure time, more sleeplessness, or even if you have a little bit of free time, you can't even enjoy it because your mind's still multitasking. And also, not just the supervillain of digital overload, but digital distraction. How many people feel like your mind is so distracted and you can't focus on just one thing anymore? And this is a challenge. That takes away from your ability to be present, your ability to be able to get things done, your ability to be able to be profitable. And I don't just mean financially profitable. That's obvious, right? We live in an age where it's not your muscle power, it's more your mind power. It's not your brute strength, it's your, it's your brain strength, right? And so the faster you can learn, certainly the faster you can earn, but not just financially, in all the areas of your life, all the treasures of your life, your health, your relationships, your career. Now I want you to think about, if you could learn any subject or skill faster, what would it be? Outside of learning how to learn. After learning how to learn, what subject? What are you interested in? Whether it's martial arts or it's Mandarin, whether it's music or marketing, there are subjects that we're interested in, right? And we live in this expert economy and we want to be knowledgeable about things because knowledge is not only power, knowledge is profit. And so I'm going to be sharing with you some of my favorite strategies and states to be able to learn any subject or skill faster. I'm going to give you six keys to learn anything faster. You can write these down. I want you to remember, be fast. So B is believe. Believe you can, believe you can. Now the E is exercise. And what I mean by this is I mean physical exercise. Because your brain, primary, the primary function of your brain is to control your movement. As your body moves, your brain groups. So if you want to change your state, exercise and movement is key. The F is to forget. And what do I mean by that? A lot of people don't learn faster because they feel like they know it already. I'm going back to chronological age, but it's not chronological age, it's really the age of your mind and your heart. A lot of people don't learn because they haven't emptied their cup. Does that make sense? That you hear all these cliches, but there's, there's truth in every cliche, that your mind is like a parachute, it only works when it's what? It's open. So this is the beginner's mind, right? So you want to forget about anything else than what you're learning here, temporarily. The A in FAST stands for active. Learning is not a spectator sport. Learning is not a spectator sport. You, the human brain and the mind doesn't learn consuming information. It learns through creating it. Creating it. 
Your mind doesn't learn based on consumption. It learns through creation or co-creation in this, in this state. Does that make sense? So you have to be active. You take notes. You ask questions. You, do, you participate in it. The S in fast stands for state. So this is emphasizing the state, that all learning is state-dependent. I never want to learn in a bored state, right? Most people, like when they read, they're in a bored state. How many people, you read a page in a book, get to the end, just forget what you just read? And you go back and you reread it, and you still don't know what you just read because you're in that bored state. How many people use reading as a sedative? Like you have this token book that's been inside of your bed for an embarrassingly long period of time. But if your state that you have associated to this activity called reading is falling asleep or a zero, anything times zero is what? Is zero. And people wonder why they don't remember what they read. So control your state. Finally, the T in fast and be fast stands for teach. I recommend that throughout this entire gathering and beyond, you learn with the intention of teaching it to somebody else. So the B stands for what? Believe. Believe you can, believe you can, you're right. The E stands for what? Exercise. As your body moves, your brain grooves. The F stands for what? Forget. Beginner's mind. Your mind's like a parachute. It only works when it's open. The A stands for what? Active. Because learning is not a spectator sport. The S stands for what? State. All learning is state dependent. And finally, T is what? Teach. Because when you teach something, you get to learn it twice. There is no such thing as a good or bad memory. There's just a trained memory and an untrained memory. Now, here's the thing. I grew up with these learning challenges. I had all these difficulties all through school, all through elementary, middle school, junior high, high school. I had all of these challenges. At the age of nine, I remember a teacher looking at me thinking I wasn't either smart enough to, to understand what she was saying or wasn't paying attention, she was talking to another adult and she said, that's the boy with the broken brain. And I was like, at nine years old, right? And so those kind of identity issues, those beliefs, does that make a difference? Yes, right? And a lot of people believe that they can't do certain things. They could just never remember names. So I could teach them a strategy, but if the belief is, is not changed, what happens? It's not because it becomes self-fulfilling. I remember running a marathon and preparing for it, I read a chapter of one of the books, and it was on the psychology of running a marathon, right, the mental part. And it said this verbatim, word for word. It said, your brain is like a supercomputer, and your self-talk is a program it will run. So if you tell yourself you're not good at remembering names, you will not remember the name of the next person you meet because you programmed your supercomputer not to. You have to monitor your self-talk. If you go around people, tell people, oh, I have a horrible memory, I'm not smart enough, I'm getting too old, fill in the blank. First of all, if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm so forgetful, I'm so busy, which that whole busyness really bothers me. Like where people, so you got, how are you doing? I'm just so crazy, so stressed, so busy. It becomes like a badge of honor that people wear all the time. And then what do you start reinforcing? Being busy, right? But here, going back to this, your self-talk is the program that will run, so you want to be mindful, right? And stand guard to your mind because your mind is always eavesdropping on your self-talk. Now, it's been shown in science, the research, by playing more actually creates neurogenesis and neuroplasticity. If you're loving this episode, please leave a review and comments down below. Because it'll be a great mental exercise. Let's go around and just raise your hand and let's give a group number, one number we create together as a group for all of us to try to memorize. Let's see how we go about remembering things now. Let's raise your hand and just let's come up with, let's, let's try to remember a string of numbers, maybe 10 or 20 numbers. And we'll do the best we can. You can write them down. 
and then let's see if we can memorize them together. Let's do them at two at a time. So instead of saying one, seven, let's say 17. And then just two digit number. 88. 88. So everyone writes 88, right? Are, we got the game here. We're going to keep on going until we get to a threshold and we see if we can memorize this, these numbers. 54. 54. I'll repeat it so, so you, guys, you guys hear it also as well. 54. 35. 35. 21. 21. 99. 99. Bingo. <laughs> By the way, how many have we had so far? Single digits. Just, just give me give it 10. Does everybody 11. have 10? I want to make sure we're all on the same page here. All right. Uh, something over here? 66. 11. 66. 66. 11 and 66. 23. 23. Number 23. 13. 77. 77. How many numbers is that, by the way? 20? Are we doing pretty good? How, how many do you remember so far, do you think? Let's do a few more. Let's do a few more for the heck of it. 30, 38 or 39? <laughs> Let's go with 39. 39. And before that was 77. Is that true? Very good. We're on the same page. 39. Let's do a couple more. Yeah, here. 42. 42. Good. 42. 06. 13. 13. Did we do 13 already? That's okay. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. 13 is great. And then last one. 42. Again, 42. <laughs> now, I want you to do this. Close your paper and then just write down as many as you remember. In order. Yes, definitely in order. It's the only way it kind of works. All right, let, let, me, let me try to do it, okay? Let me, let me try to do it with you. And you guys, you guys could check, right? And I'll look here so you know nothing is being broadcast here. All right, I'm gonna do single digits. Eight, eight, five, four. How are we doing so far? Three, five, two, one. Yes, nine, nine, one, one, six, six, two, three, one, three, seven, seven. How am I doing? Good. Three, nine, four, two, zero, six. Is that good so far? One, three, four, two. Now, I, I don't do this to impress you. I, I do this more to express to you what's possible. I grew up with learning challenges, you know, with difficulties. How about, how about this? How many people want to see me memorize this backwards? Re recall it backwards. Let me try to get most of this list backwards, all right? Two, four, are we, are we good? I want to make sure we're in the right and the right thing. Three, one, six, zero, two, four. Is that good? Nine, three, seven, seven, three, one, three, two, six, six, one, one, nine, nine, one, two. How are we doing? Mm, five, three, four, five, eight, eight. So what if you could get in these kind of states and have strategies to be able to do the things that you need? How much more productive could you be as a coach, as an expert, as a speaker, as an entrepreneur, as a parent, as a student by having these kind of strategies? What really upset me is when I struggled my whole life with like my whole childhood life until I was 18 where I hit a wall. I literally, when I became a freshman in college, I was lucky to get into, I was like, I want to make a fresh start. And I was like, I want to make, I want to show my family, I want to make them proud. I want to show the world myself that I was good enough and smart, that I could really do this. So I worked really hard and I did worse. 
and I was ready to quit school and I was living in the library. I wasn't eating, I wasn't you know, sleeping, I wasn't doing anything that, that was good for me, nothing in, in wild fit, all the things I should be doing to, be, to, you know, to build my superhero strength. And they're passing out in the, in the library late night and I fell down a flight of stairs. I hit my head again and I woke up in the hospital two days later. And at this point, I, was, I weighed about 117 pounds. I was wasted away. Like I thought I died. Maybe part of me wished that I had. And also, when I got out, I was like, there has to be something better for me here. Like, what do I do? And a nurse came in at that exact moment and brought a mug of tea. And on the tea was a picture of a genius, a true genius, the opposite of what I felt I was at the time. It was Albert Einstein. And it said this quote that you've all heard in some iteration, the same level of thinking that's created the problem won't solve the problem. The same level of thinking that's created the problem won't solve the problem. I was thinking, what's my problem? I'm a really slow learner. How do I think differently? Maybe I can learn how to learn, right? And I was just like, I picked up a course bulletin to look at classes, and they're all classes at school on what to learn. Math, history, science, Spanish, right? All important subjects, but what to learn. How many classes were on how to learn? No classes. I mean, classes on, where's your class on creativity and problem solving and thinking, right? Where's your classes on reading faster and having better focus and concentration or improving your memory? I always thought it should have been the fourth R in school. They teach you three R's, reading, writing, and what? Arithmetic. What about remembering? What about recall? What about retention? Because there, Socrates says there is no learning without remembering. There is no learning without remembering. How many people here have a number you call all the time? But honestly, if you don't have your phone on or with you or the battery set, you honestly do not know that number. You call it every single day almost or text it or whatever. And so the challenge here is this. The two supervillains that we're talking about, it's digital overload. Too much information, too little time. The amount of information is doubling at dizzying speed. But how we learn it, how we remember it, has that changed at all? If anything, there's been a decline. The amount of information is doubling like this. Your learning abilities, in terms of your reading, memory, everything flatline, that gap creates the stress that you feel on an ongoing basis, right? How do you catch up? How do you keep up? How do you get ahead? You know, underneath that velocity, right, and that acceleration. The other thing that I talk about supervillains, not just digital overload, is digital distraction. Digital distraction, right? I'll tell you the worst habit, and you're going to hate me for saying this, the first hour of the day is touching your phone. It's the worst thing you could do because you have that addiction to it. And it's, I'll tell you the reason why you don't want to do it. I'll give you two reasons. The reason why you don't do it is when you wake up, talking about brainwave states, we're talking about superhero states, your brain cycles through different brainwaves. Beta is when you're most awake. This is, you're in beta most of you right now. Delta is when you're asleep. Hopefully nobody's in delta right now. Theta is right above delta. That's the state of creativity we talked about, like when you're in, when you're in the shower. Right? You're so relaxed, almost in and out of sleep. You're so creative, right? You're very inspired. In between theta and beta, when you're most awake, is a state called alpha. It's a state you go in when you meditate. States you go into when you do deep breathing. State you're also in when you watch television. How many people have ever seen somebody watching television? You're trying to talk to them, but they're watching their favorite show, their sports, or whatever it is, or maybe you're guilty of it too, and honestly, that person is not hearing you. You know that? You're talking to them, but they're so in trance, right? Television programming. It's programming them. They're in such trance. They're in an alpha state. And the alpha state is where your conscious mind is set aside and you're not filtering. It's information just coming in. Alpha state is a great state to learn in, though. Great state to learn facts. Great state to be able to learn foreign languages. 
also. Great states to learn information like giving presentations and scripts. One of the ways we work with actors is putting them to an alpha state so they're in this relaxed state of awareness where their conscious mind is set aside and information is just flowing in, like television. And you could control those states because you have a responsibility once you learn the strategies behind it. We talked about the first villain, supervillain. We're talking about superheroes. You're a superhero. The supervillains that are taken away from your joy, your productivity, your peace of mind. Digital overwhelm, digital distraction. I'll add a third one I wasn't going to say. Digital dementia. And this is a real medical term right now. This is the idea that we're outsourcing our brains to our smart devices. We're so reliant on our smartphones that our smartphones are making us stupid. Does that make sense? That, I mean, it's convenient. I don't want to... I, I don't want to memorize 500 phone numbers, right? Nobody wants to do that. But we've lost the ability to memorize one. Like if I give you a seven-digit number now, how difficult? I'm, would it be you find that kind of difficult to memorize, like a phone number that you used to do years ago? Yes or yes? If I take my arm and I put it into a sling for six months, does it stay the same? Would it even grow stronger? It would what? It would atrophy and grow weaker. Same thing with your mental muscles. If you're relying on your phone to keep your schedules, your to-dos, do simple. I went out to dinner with 10 people uh, recently, it was a ten of us, and three people at the end pulled out their phones to divide the check, the bill by ten, right? And we've lost that ability to use our. <laughs> we've lost the ability to be able to do certain things, and so what? That's where digital dementia is. Um, there, I was talking to Dr. Daniel Amen, who wrote "Change Your Brain, Change Your Life." Right? He was saying, "Yeah, digital dementia." Like, I got something for you, Jim. He's like, "GPS, relying on GPS, a third-party piece of technology to tell you when and where to turn when you would normally know that or not know it, is, is actually getting people aren't going to the doctors to get checked out when they would have memory lapses if they didn't see that right, on that GPS. Like, if they didn't have the GPS, they would have memory lapses and we'd go get checked out, and we're not getting that early detection on it just because of that." So how do you keep your brain active? So smart devices could be extremely convenient, but they could be crippling also. So it could be balanced. I think children, going back to childhood, this is you're the fastest learners, right? And you could access that at any time because you have an inner what? Child. You do have an inner child. How many people believe they have an inner child? A child inside there that is a genius, that can learn, that maybe needs to hear some words from you every so often, right? And so a few years ago, I, because I remembered someone na someone's name, it led to business for 20th Century Fox, and it was for the chairman, and I was training him and his executive team on a Friday. And I go there, and because I was in state, because I saw all this avatar-like like memorabilia, and I saw this movie poster with Star Wars, I was like a kid, right? So I gave my best training ever. And afterwards, they really felt it. He was like, gave me a tour of the whole place and everything, and I saw this movie poster of Wolverine. Um, I don't, this for me is a big deal. A Wolverine coming out. And I was like, wow, I can't wait for that film to come out. And he picks up, the chairman picks up the phone. And five minutes later, I'm in the Fox Studios with 3D glasses watching Hugh Jackman fight all these super ninjas, right? And I'm in my bliss on a Friday. Afterwards, he comes to me and says, Jim, how was the movie? I was like, it's great. Thank you so much. I tell my story how I grew up with learning disabilities. I taught myself how to read by reading comic books. My favorite comic book were the X-Men, Wolverine and the X-Men. And not because they were strongest, it's because they didn't fit in. Because I felt like I didn't fit in growing up as a kid. Does that make sense? With this disability and the boy with the broken brain. And the highlight of the comic books for me was when I read that the school for the gifted, for the superheroes, was in, for X-Men, was in Westchester, New York. And that, it's a suburb of New York City, and that's where I grew up. So when I was nine years old, I used to ride my bicycle all around the neighborhood trying to find this school. Because I wanted, I wanted to run away. I wanted to find my, my superpower something that I was good at, um, and I want to find my super friends. 
Because when you're the boy with the broken brain, you don't, you don't connect with a lot of people because you don't feel like you have a lot to offer, right? So I used to do that. I'm telling him this story, the chairman. He's like, Jim, I know you like superheroes. Do you want to go to Comic-Con? I was like, when is it? He's like, today, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then I was like, and he's like, Jim, do you want to go? I'm going tomorrow. And he was like, oh, I was like, oh, you're going tomorrow. I'm going to go with you. So he picks me up Saturday morning. And instead of driving down there, we get on his plane. And I swear to you, on that plane is the entire cast of X-Men. And they're going to surprise Comic-Con, right? Uh, with their presence for the new movie that's coming out. And I spend the entire, like, I, I go on there and I'm, I, don't, I see Wolverine and, and Patrick's, like, you know, Professor X. I'm sitting between Jennifer Lawrence and Holly Berry going to Comic-Con, right? And we spend the entire day amazing. We come back, here's, here's, here's the lesson. We come back and Chairman was like, how was it? I was like, best day ever, thank you so much. He was like, he was like you know, I have something else for you. I like, I don't want anything else, what can I do for you? He was like, they really loved you. How would you like uh, to go to Montreal? They were filming the last 30 days of the new movie. And I'm like, oh, wow, I've, I've never been on film set. I would love to do that. What, what can I do for you? And he says, Jim, just do what you did with us. Just share, teach them how to speed read scripts, memorize their lines faster, be present, focus on set. And I was like, oh, I could totally do that. <laughs> Sunday morning, we're on what they call the X-Jet. And we're going to Montreal. And I'm brain training these amazing individuals that inspired me, like, growing up, right? And... I got to see, like, on set, it was actually taking place at the school. And I got to see my real-life heroes come to life in front of me as a nine-year-old boy. Now, when I got home, there was a package waiting. I opened it up, and there's this photograph. There's a photograph of me and the entire cast of X-Men. And even better than Holly Berry and Jennifer Lawrence and everything that's on there was the note from the chairman. It said this, Jim, thank you so much for sharing your superpowers with all of us. I know you've been looking for your superhero school since you were a kid. Here's your class photo. The, 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 the lesson that, that you, everyone gets different lessons out of this, for me, is, is me being in that childhood vulnerable state that allowed something like that to happen. So my question for you is this. If you could go back to that child inside of you, that younger self, and right now tell them something that they need to hear, what would that be? And if you were to go in the future, one year, two years, five years, 10 years ahead in the future, I believe you have wisdom inside of you. I believe you have greatness inside of you and genius that you're not even, even tapped in those states. If you were to project 10 years ahead of time and look back on this day right now, what does your current self need to hear from your future self? I have a quote that I get quoted on more than anything else. It talks about an egg and stress. That your egg is like your life. That if an egg is broken by an outside force, life ends. But if it's broken by an inside force, life begins. And all great things begin on the inside.